Because that's what accountability is. It's not just correction, it's recognition. Because they're giving account for the work that they did and sometimes the work that they did was really, really, really good and we need to celebrate that. Because that's part of how you create culture in your organization. You don't just talk about what you don't want and what you're trying to get away from and what you're trying to avoid and what you're trying to escape. You talk about what you're trying to repeat. Well, hey there, if we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. Now, I want to start today with a story that, quite frankly, I'm not too proud of. Uh, now, thankfully, it's a story that taught me a lesson about leadership and life that is just invaluable and that I'll never forget. But as with most of the lessons we learned, uh, I got this one the hard way. I got this one by doing something uh, radically, ridiculously, and outrageously wrong. Uh, so it was in my first job after college, and I was kind of assigned to leading a group of 10 interns associated with the leadership development program that we were building in this job. And what a cool opportunity that was to get to lead 10 high school students as they were kind of entering into their first real world experience. And that was what we were trying to develop them to do with the skills and the habits and the rhythms and the routines to be effective contributors in the marketplace. What a cool opportunity that was. And I got to lead this group. So how awesome is that, that I got to invest and pour into these kids? At least that was the game plan. And so one of the things that we had laid out in order to do that was that we were going to have a reading plan that we followed and discussed together. And so there were about 10 interns. And we decided, I think it was a John Maxwell book, probably 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. We decided we were going to read that book. And then I decided that we were going to have a discussion. I think it was on Wednesday morning, just about the book and about what we took away from it. And I kind of had this idea that I needed to step in as the leader of this group and make sure that they were doing their job, make sure that they took me seriously when I told them to do something, make sure that they knew that when they said they were going to do something, that they were going to do it. And so I kind of had my radar out for, man, if any of these kids think they can get past me without reading, they've got another one coming. And the reason why I think I was so open to that happening is because I didn't read like a single book in high school. So (laughs) I kind of knew, I was like, man, there's going to be someone here. There's going to be someone here that didn't do the reading and I need to catch them and I need to catch them in the act and I need to take them to task. And truly, this was the mindset, this was the paradigm, this was the framework that I thought of whenever I thought of accountability, which is just kind of uh, crazy, but it's also not entirely surprising, right? Because I thought accountability meant essentially punishment for not doing your job. And so that was the framework that I entered into this job right after college with. And so essentially I was looking for opportunities to punish people because that's what accountability was. And so we sat down on this first Wednesday and uh, we kind of went down the line and, and there were there were three guys sitting in a row. So I called them and said, what's your takeaway? What's your takeaway? What's your takeaway? And uh, I wasn't really looking for what their takeaway was. I was trying to discern, did you read or did you not? Did you do what you said you would do? And uh, whether they read or not, who knows, but they gave me a takeaway. And so we got the takeaways and they discussed it in front of the group. And then we came to the first girl. It was a freshman girl that was part of this group. And, and I asked her, okay, what's your takeaway? And, and she looked at me and I'll never forget her eyes. They were just real big. And she looked directly at me and she said, I, I'm really sorry, Alex. I, I uh, wasn't able to do the reading this week. 
And man, uh, I took that as my opportunity. And when I tell you, I wish I could go back to that version of Alex right now and slap him around a little bit for what he was about to do. Uh, I wish so bad I could do that because man, I just turned my chair towards her and in front of the entire group of nine other interns. And I, I just said, what do you mean you didn't do the reading? And she just looked at me and she said, well, I, I just wasn't able to. I said, wasn't able to? Why weren't you able to? And she said, oh, I just, I, we had a lot going on this week. And uh, I mean, honestly, I kind of forgot. And I said, you forgot? And I said, let me explain something to you about leadership because we're focusing on leadership development. Give me a break. I'm explaining about leadership right now. What on earth? And I said, leadership is about doing what you said you would do. Leadership is about results. Leadership is about integrity. And what do you mean you didn't do this? How could you not do the reading and I started to raise my voice a little bit and I started just pressing in and just drilling into this freshman girl that didn't read one chapter and I was just like this is just ridiculous and what are you going to do to make up for it and how could you not do the reading and just doubling down and tripling down and quadrupling down to the point where she looked at me and tears started coming down her face. Oh my gosh, I still feel pain telling this story because that's what I thought accountability was. I thought accountability was seizing the advantage to punish someone for not doing their job and then making them feel horrible about it. And man, when I tell you I was a fool, I was a fool and I had it completely wrong. My entire paradigm while I was teaching about leadership development was screwed up. It was messed up. Now, thankfully, I had the beautiful opportunity to apologize to this young girl and to her parents uh, about a week later, and it served as a powerful lesson for me that accountability is not what I thought it was, and specifically, there's a difference between toxic accountability and healthy accountability. And the difference maker between those two types of accountability is one thing, it's leadership. And so as a leader, you and I get to decide whether or not we're going to practice toxic accountability or healthy accountability with the people in our lives. But here's the other thing that I'll tell you before we actually jump into the content of this episode. Accountability is not simply a topic for the workplace. And if we leave it reserved and sequestered to simply eight to five or simply to the people that we work with, then we are missing out on the gift that it has to offer us because accountability is really a conversation about boundaries and commitments. And if we can be leaders, people, individuals, men and women who practice healthy accountability, what we are really doing is we are being people who practice healthy boundaries and commitments. And so what I would like for us to do today is first spend a little bit of time talking about toxic accountability. And we're not going to park on that too long because I think I just gave you a great illustration of it. Uh, so we're going to talk about what makes accountability toxic, but then we're going to shift our attention to what I've kind of labeled as six qualities of healthy accountability and how they can play out in your work environment. 
Now, I think this is going to be a really helpful content episode for you as a leader, but this is also one I would challenge you to share with your team because I truly believe that accountability is an opportunity for all of us, but I also think it's a responsibility for all of us uh, at home, at work, with our friends. It is something that we are uniquely responsible to apply ourselves to and to submit ourselves to is being people who are held and are holding accountable. So let's first talk about toxic accountability. What does toxic accountability look like? Well, the first thing toxic accountability looks like is public shaming. And this was just illustrated by what I did to that poor freshman girl and made her cry, right? It looks like leveraging accountability as punishment. It looks like using a superiority complex that you have to put down someone's value, not simply as a team member, but as a person. And it looks like highlighting someone's weaknesses, imperfections, or mistakes in the presence of others. You know this rule. It's, it's one of the most fundamental leadership rules. We praise in public, we correct in private. Now, what does that not say? It doesn't say we praise in public, we shame in private. So it's not public shaming, but it's also not private shaming. And we're going to talk about that in the conversation about healthy accountability, what the difference is between shaming and correcting, right? But what I want you to make sure is that you are not leveraging someone's underperformance as an opportunity to hold them up as an example of what not to do in front of everyone else. That's not good leadership, folks. So public shaming has no place in your organization. You need to make sure you're not allowing yourself to practice that, but then you also need to create a culture where no one else is practicing that either. We do not put people down. And one of the things we're going to talk about later is that really we're not talking about people at all when we're talking about accountability. We're talking about results. And the minute we start evaluating the person instead of evaluating the result, well, that's when it gets into the realm of toxicity. So we said it's not public shaming. It's also not private shaming. Uh, What else is it not? It's not erratic and random checking in. I once worked at a place, this was, gosh, I think it was my first job in high school, and they would do these secret audits that you would never know when it was coming, and the supervisors would show up randomly, and a lot of times they would wear different clothes and dress up, and they were always trying to catch people doing something wrong, and and you never knew if they were there or not, and so as a result, what did it create a culture of in the organization? It created a culture of deep-seated paranoia. Because you knew that you were always just one mistake away from being caught in a very, very sneaky way and then being called out, right? And so it's not this inconsistent, erratic, unexpected, random checking in because I feel like that's a method or a, a, a model of accountability that is really focused on can we catch people doing something wrong? And, and I don't think that's good leadership either. So it's not public shaming. It's not erratic and random checking in. What else is it not? It's not relentless micromanagement. Accountability is not you consistently and constantly and relentlessly looking over someone's shoulder to make sure that they're doing what they said they would do, right? Because that lacks trust and trust is the foundation of leadership and businesses move at the speed of trust. And so what you're saying whenever you do that is essentially, I don't trust you enough to not be hovering over your shoulder all of the time. So don't be a helicopter leader, right? Don't be the person that's constantly hovering around their people saying, I'm just going to look for the mistakes. I'm just going to make sure you're doing it the way I said you should do it. And I'm, I'm going to correct you every single time you make a single mistake in the moment, right? Because what is accountability if it's healthy? 
something not look like? It doesn't look like relentless micromanagement. So let's review them again. Toxic accountability. It doesn't look like public shaming. It doesn't look like erratic and random checking in, and it doesn't look like relentless micromanagement. Now, here's what I've noticed. I've noticed that a lot of us have stories and experiences of what it looks like to work in or with or be a leader that subscribes to toxic accountability, right? We, uh, Many of us probably know what that feels like. And if we don't know what that feels like personally, we've probably seen or talked to someone else that knows what that feels like personally, and it's awful. And so as a result, what we do is we write off accountability as a whole. And, and that's not a good strategy as a leader, right? We say, okay, well, I don't want to be toxic accountability, so I'm just going to not hold people accountable, or I'm just going to avoid it altogether. And we have such a bad experience of what it could potentially be that we just say, I don't want anything to do with that. Here's the deal. Accountability is not good or bad. Accountability just is. It's your decision as a leader whether it becomes toxic or whether it becomes healthy. But what is accountability? Accountability is to give a count for something. It means that we are going to give account for our performance, our work, and our actions. And what I will tell you is it's one of the greatest things you can contribute to the forward motion of your organization. But here's the other piece. It's one of the greatest things you can contribute to the, the forward motion of your organization's people. Because in the absence of accountability, sustainable growth never occurs. I'm going to say that again. In the absence of accountability, sustainable growth never occurs because sustainable growth demands focus and we need to stay focused in a specific direction. And I will be the first to say, if I don't have accountability, if I don't have boundaries, if I don't have people in my life who have the authority and the ability and the responsibility to correct me and get me back on course and to make sure I don't get distracted and make sure I don't get deviated and make sure I'm doing what I said I would do. If I don't have that, then I'm going to lose focus. And when I lose focus, I'm going to lose growth. Conversely, I will tell you, I am someone that is currently in a rhythm of I'm, I'm being held very accountable. I have multiple people holding me accountable right now. And so I'm way more likely to remain focused. And because I'm way more likely to remain focused, I'm way more likely to experience growth. And so what I want you to hear is accountability is not a bad thing. In fact, it can be an incredible thing. Think about it through this lens for a second. Pat Lencioni says that there's three signs of a miserable job. In measurement, I don't know if I'm winning or not because I don't know what winning is. Irrelevance, I don't know how what I'm doing connects to anything bigger, right? It feels like the mundane doesn't really connect to the meaningful. And anonymity. In measurement, irrelevance, and anonymity is they don't know me and even if they didn't know me, they wouldn't care. And so think about how accountability, if performed in a healthy way and introduced in a consistent manner into your organization, almost automatically dilutes all of those things because it helps us understand what winning looks like and whether or not we are winning or not. That's a measurement. It helps us know that what we're doing actually matters with regard to the big picture because our leader cares about whether it gets done or not. And then we actually see that someone sees what we're doing day to day. And someone has visibility into the work and the output and the performance that we've been that we've been applying ourselves to. And that if we're struggling, they're going to help us. And then if we're succeeding, they're going to recognize us. So it, it dilutes anonymity. 
So I'm, I tell you all that just to tell you that accountability can be one of the greatest gifts and assets to your organization and its people if you apply yourself to it as a leader in a healthy way. And so it's with that that I will now want to walk through healthy accountability. And what I want to walk through is the six qualities of healthy accountability. And before we walk into that, I just want to kind of start with a statement that is overarching, because I think whenever we look at this topic of accountability, one of the things that I've noticed for myself is I often think about, okay, how do I hold people accountable? And that's how I would be listening to this episode. And what I would challenge you to do is, yes, you need to be thinking about how to properly and effectively in a healthy way hold people accountable, but I also want you to think about how you're being held accountable. Because if you want to effectively hold others accountable, the place that you have to start is being effectively held accountable. You want to hold accountable, you got to be held accountable. And so if you don't have accountability that looks like what we're about to describe in your life, personally, from a leadership perspective and from a business perspective, uh, we got to figure out how to get that in your life, whether that's through a coach, whether that's through a mentor, whether it's through a friend, whether it's through a teammate, it's all possible, right? But I mean, this is literally why we do coaching is because we believe that the leader, the owner of the organization, the highest level leaders need someone holding them accountable just as much as they're holding everyone else accountable. Because again, why would you ever ask someone to do something or to submit to something that you yourself are not submitting to? So it's in that context and in that vein that we're now going to talk about the six qualities of healthy accountability. And I'm going to give them to you high level and then we're going to break down each one. Number one, healthy accountability is rhythmic and then it's results oriented and then it's real, then it's relational, then it's restorative, and then it's rewarding. I promise you I didn't set out to think of six R words to describe healthy accountability. It just worked out that way. And so we're going to break these down and uh, we're going to run through each one. And truly, you could do an episode on each of these. And there's definitely been books written on each of these. But I really wanted to cover just in one episode a big picture view of accountability. So number one, healthy accountability is rhythmic. Here's the deal. It's not what you do occasionally. It's what you do consistently as a leader. And so one of the things that we can do to help instill healthy accountability into our organizations is establish a cadence of one-on-one meetings within our business. And so how often are you meeting with your direct reports and how often are they meeting with their direct reports? And is that format of weekly or biweekly or even monthly one-on-one meetings cascaded into the organization? Because what we don't want is for accountability to be random and erratic. We already said that. And so in order to eliminate the random nature of accountability, we've got to make sure we have a consistent rhythm. So accountability needs to be rhythmic. It can't be unexpected. It can't be erratic. It can't be something that happens once a year. It can't be something that happens whenever it's convenient or comfortable for you. It can't be something that happens because you just chose to walk around the office one day. It needs to be something that happens because you have a regularly scheduled meeting with the people that you are responsible for leading. That's what it looks like for accountability to be rhythmic, number one. It has a cadence and it's consistent. So an action item associated with this is that if you do not yet have one-on-one meetings with your direct reports bi-weekly or weekly, we've got to get those on the schedule. 
And I would tell you as a leader, that's a non-negotiable because communication is the lifeblood of your organization and communication or certainly accountability can't occur in the absence of a consistent meeting rhythm. And so number one, healthy accountability is rhythmic. Number two, healthy accountability is results oriented. This is why we leverage success statements within Path for Growth is because success statements are a statement of the standard by which a job is done. I'm going to say that again. Success statements are a statement of the standard by which a job is done. And as a leader, your job is to start with the standard. But one of the things I've noticed in leading this business is that I am way better at saying what I don't want to occur than what I do want to occur. And I bet the same is true for you. Have you ever found that you are way better and it's way easier for you to describe the actions, the the activities, the things that you don't want or that you don't like or that you don't seek out, but it's really hard to put words to what you actually want? Well, I, I would tell you that that hard work is the good work, right? Because it is our responsibility as a leader to provide our people with a clear definition of what success looks like, of what winning looks like. And that's what a success statement does. And so what I would tell you is as a leader in these meetings, you need to start with the standard, right? You need to start with the standard of what are the top results that you need to be getting in your arena in order to be successful, because that will help you more effectively lead them well and so as a leader, you are responsible to providing the people that you lead with three to five statements that describe what success looks like in their area. And these are not going to be tasks of what they're going to do. These are going to be results that they are going to achieve. And so within Path for Growth, we call them success statements. And you've also probably heard us refer to these as KRAs, right? But one of the things we always say is we want to start with what green is because we red, yellow, green these things. And if we don't have an idea of what green is, then all we're going to do is focus on what we don't want and we're going to focus on what red is. So we need to cast a vision of what green looks like in the area that this person is responsible for. And I felt like one of the things that I wanted to do uh, in order to kind of lay this out and make this really, really visible and really, really practical for you is just um, give you an example. So I wanted to share our COO, Zach, many of you have listened to him on this podcast before or met him before on LinkedIn or something like that. I wanted to share his KRA with you because I want you to understand what success statements look like. So Zach's first success statement is the integrator, that's his role, has an effective, trustworthy, and collaborative relationship with the visionary. That's my role. So his number one responsibility is that he and I have a good working relationship together. His second one is that path for growth strategic roadmap is clear. Now there's sub bullet points that describe what that means and elaborate on how that plays out. But the second thing that we said we want him to accomplish in his role is that the strategic roadmap is clear. The third one is that path for growth operational status is healthy. And again, we elaborate on this more in um, further bullet points, but he's responsible for the operational health of the organization and making sure that our systems and processes are in alignment with the type of growth that we want to experience. Number four, Path for Growth's financial status is healthy. So he's responsible for creating and managing our budgets. He's responsible for making sure he's reviewing our P&Ls and our cash flow, and then creating a dashboard that he brings to me so that we can review it together, right? And so that's his fourth KRA. That's his fourth success statement. And finally, his fifth success statement is that the team is led, managed, and held accountable. So the team all in some form or fashion reports up to Zach, and that's part of how our organization is structured. And so he is 
is responsible for one of the topics that we're talking about today, the accountability of are the people doing what they're doing. Now, it doesn't mean that he's doing all the work to see these results he achieved, but it does mean that he's owning these results. And the biggest thing that I want you to know about these five areas that I just gave you is that these are his standards of success, right? These are accurate, clear descriptions of, man, when you're winning in your role, these five things should be true. And so when we lay these five statements out for him, we have a standard by which Zach can be held accountable. And what's so great about that, and he would agree with this, is that means that he can hold himself accountable, but also I can hold him accountable, not to to some arbitrary thing that I made up, but to clear specific results that he can be about the business of achieving. The other thing that clarifying the results that you want to see people achieve does, it helps you make sure that as a leader, you're not just focusing in on the person, but rather you're focusing in on the results. And what I've noticed is that that it provides a really healthy level of depersonalization and detachment that is necessary to help people move forward in their job and in their role. Because sometimes we can take things really personally with regard to our job, right? And when we say, oh, you're red in that area or this needs to get better, what, what we hear, even though we may have said it that way, is you are red or you need to get better. And what we're actually just saying is, hey, we need to work on this result. And whenever we have these things on paper as success statements of what winning looks like in the role, it helps us better understand, okay, we're not talking about the person, we're talking about the result, and the result is red, and we need to figure out how to make the red yellow and then make the yellow green. So number one, we said that healthy accountability is rhythmic. And then number two, we said that it's results oriented. And what can you do in order to help make accountability in your organization more results oriented? Well, you can start with the standard. You as a leader should start with the standard of what winning looks like in your role and then in everyone else's and list it in three to five bullet points and say, this is what winning looks like. And if you can achieve these areas and be green in these three to five areas, then you will be winning in your role. But these are what we're going to hold you accountable to is these results. And then people can give a count for how they are doing in those results. So number one was rhythmic. Number two was results-oriented. Number three is real. I think sometimes as leaders, we think we're doing someone a favor by sugarcoating things. And what I will tell you is you're not doing anyone a favor whenever you decide to sugarcoat something. Okay, so as a leader, you owe it to your people to be real. You owe it to your people to be honest. You owe it to your people to give them feedback that is clear. Dave Ramsey always says that to be clear is to be kind, right? And to be unclear is to be unkind. And what I will tell you as a leader, and I also want to iterate this for your organization, is for the people you leave, you cannot afford to not tell the truth as you see it today. So if someone is underperforming in an area, you can't afford to just sit on that because things don't get better in the dark and things certainly don't get better with dishonesty. Now, if you're waiting to see if someone is actually improving or you're trying to give them time to improve or things like that and you have reasonable evidence to believe that they're actually moving in the right direction, I understand if you may want to take a little bit of a slower approach. But if you're just waiting because you don't want to address it because you're scared, well, 
come on, let's go. Fear is not a good reason to do anything or not do anything. So we need to buck up and just tell the truth. Say what's going on. Give the feedback. Hold people accountable. Because here's the idea here. Sugarcoating something is cowardice that prevents service. I'm going to say it again. When you sugarcoat something, that is nothing more than cowardice that presents service. Because if you're just going to give someone an inaccurate and unrealistic picture of what is true, like everything's okay, or you're doing a great job, or you're all green, whenever that's not true, you have then ceased to serve them. Because you serve someone whenever you tell them the truth, even though it's sometimes hard to hear, and then work with them to improve upon it. Not whenever you lie to them and pretend like everything's okay all the way up in the point that you have to fire them. No, you owe it to people to address things when they're small so they don't have the opportunity to get big. You owe it to people to tell them the truth. You owe it to people to accurately describe how their performance is going. And people need that from you. That's called leadership. And so as a leader, you have a responsibility, but also an opportunity to be real. Because if you don't do this, and if you don't stay on top of this, and you don't maintain this commitment to being real, what you'll find is that you'll be trapped by this cacophony of lies that you've made up, and you'll have to go into this knot of things that are entirely mixed up and unaddressed, and it'll be one problem on top of another problem on top of another problem, and then you're going to have to go back in and try and unwind this entire knot, and at that point, it ceased to be their underperformance and it started to be your underperformance because you were failing to address things when they should have been addressed. And so as a leader, be real. Tell the truth as you see it today. Address underperformance aggressively and actively. And be kind in the way that you do it. Be clear in the way that you do it. But don't feel like you are helping anyone by simply not talking about it. So we're going to be rhythmic, we're going to be results-oriented, we're going to be real, and then we're going to be relational. And we've kind of already hit on this, but you know this quote, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. This is why one of our core values at Path for Growth is treat people like friends, because we want our coaches to treat people like friends. And what do friends do? Well, friends encourage people. Friends make investments into each other. Friends ask each other great questions. Friends have dinner with each other whenever they're in town. Friends uh, check in with you via text message or sometimes just randomly call you. Those are all things friends do. What do friends also do? Well, they don't allow you to sit with spinach in your teeth, right? And sometimes that's how we need to treat accountability. We need to say, hey, you got spinach in your teeth and you need to get it out. You look ridiculous. What else do friends do? Well, they tell you when you're being an idiot or when you look ridiculous or whenever you're totally wrong. And sometimes Sometimes they'll do it in a way that's totally kind and sometimes kind of joking. They'll laugh and be like, you are totally wrong when you're saying that. And we need that, right? And so what I would tell you is sometimes one of the reasons why leaders struggle with accountability and teams struggle with accountability is that they make it too formal when they should be making it relational. It doesn't have to be this stressful, sit-down meeting, long, intensive conversation thing. And that's what I thought, honestly, is it needed to feel like punishment where I'm sitting in a taller chair than you are, and then I'm coming down on you, and you leave scared because you could lose your job any moment. That Accountability should rarely, if ever, look like that, right? What accountability in a healthy way looks like is, hey, let's just sit down and grab coffee and talk about how you're doing and the results that matter most. And if you're red in some areas, let's talk about how I can help you, right? Relationship. 
And this also is directly related to what we already talked about with it being rhythmic. It means that you're making regular deposits because accountability, especially if it's tough accountability or if you're giving people truth that they need to hear, but that's tough to hear, that represents a withdrawal. And if you weren't making relational deposits prior to making that withdrawal from that account, you'll be withdrawing from something that's empty and you're going to really, really set yourself back with regard to that team member and with regard to that relationship. So healthy accountability is relational. Let's move on to the final two. Healthy accountability is restorative. Remember, the reason why you are doing this is to get the person where they want and where you want them to be. And therefore, if you as a leader have lost belief or trust in the idea that that's possible, you have to move in a different direction. Because if you don't believe that they can win in their role, then they will never be able to win in their role. I really believe that. They're, like A person's belief can never exceed their leaders sustainably. And so you've got to have this internal belief and this desire to see them win in the role because it takes a lot of work to take someone that's underperforming to be performing. And if you don't believe that they can do it and if you don't think that they can move forward, if you don't think that they can grow, well, then you're not going to invest what it would take to be able to help get them there. So we need to make sure we're believing the best about people and we need to make sure as leaders we're taking responsibility on ourselves not to do the work for them but to providing them the path to do the work. Remember this, you're responsible to people, you're not responsible for people, right? And so you need to give them the path, you need to give them clear expectations, you need to show them the steps, you need to tell them, hey, I'm available to meet with you or talk about this, but they are responsible for doing the work. And so what does a restorative accountability relationship look like? Well, it looks like a leader who seeks to understand and not accuse. Some of the best accountability comes in the form of great questions. And it looks like just asking and trying to understand, okay, well, why are we red in this area? And then how can we make the red yellow? And then how could we work to make the yellow green? So what have you provided that person with? Well, you've provided them with a vision of what green is. You've provided them with the truth of the fact that they're red. And then you've provided them with a cheerleader and a supporter and encouragement and a coach to say, let's get the red to yellow and the yellow to green. And remember, it's not about you as a person. We're talking about the result. And we are collaborating together on how to get this result where it needs to be. That's what it looks like to have a restorative conversation because restoration means to bring things back to the desired state. It means that we are going to bring things back to the standard of what winning looks like, to the standard of the success statement that we wrote. And so people need to know the reason why they're having this accountability conversation with me is because they want and desire deeply to see me win. And for them to know that, you need to know that. You need to know and you need to go into the conversation knowing at your heart that your motive is to see the person win. And if your motive is anything other than that, if it's to put them down or if it's to rail on them or it's the, to make them feel bad or if it's to make yourself feel good, you would be better served not having the conversation. Remember, accountability is restorative. And then finally, accountability is rewarding. So this was the great uh, lie that I believed is that accountability is always punishing people for what they did wrong. And what did we say accountability actually is? Well, it's to give account for your performance and your actions. And there's sometimes, even more often than not, if you're in a healthy organization where people are actually doing things right, where you look at their results and it's green, 
where you look at the work that they've done and it's awesome, where they're embodying the values, where they're living in alignment with the standards, where they're accomplishing their role, where they're moving the organization forward, where they're investing in the mission, where they're serving other people, where they're positively leveraging their influence, where things are actually going well. And so often we don't reward those moments. We don't recognize those moments. We just let them breeze by. And as a result, our team experiences us as someone that is always disciplining and using accountability for what's wrong, but never rewarding and using accountability for what's right. Here's the deal. As much as we've talked about correction and making sure that we're getting people back on track and making sure that we're restoring people back to as they should be, right? I want you to be the leader that's known for doing those things, of course, because those things are good and healthy. But more than that, I want you to be known as the leader who rewards and recognizes great performance. I want you to be known as the the leader who walks into the office and just starts clapping for someone because you're so pumped about how they've won in their role or how they've hit a new standard of success or how they've actually moved the organization forward. I want you to be known as the leader who gives intentional, deliberate, authentic compliments to someone in their one-on-one meeting whenever they do great work. I want you to be the leader that makes a big deal when someone is green in their role. In our organization, whenever someone's green on their KRA and across the board, they're all green on their success statements, we always say, man, it's good to be green. And we give them the equivalent of a virtual standing ovation, right? Because that's what accountability is. It's not just correction, it's recognition. Because they're giving account for the work that they did and sometimes the work that they did was really, 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 really good and we need to celebrate that. Because that's part of how you create culture in your organization. You don't just talk about what you don't want and what you're trying to get away from and what you're trying to avoid and what you're trying to escape. You talk about what you're trying to repeat. You talk about the things that you wanna see amplified. You talk about the things that you wanna see doubled down upon. You talk about the behaviors that are just absolutely awesome that are resulting in the customer getting served, that are resulting in an impact being made. And so does your team view you as someone that is above and beyond in the way that they recognize and reward great action? I'm going to ask that question again. Does your team view you as someone that goes above and beyond in the way that they recognize and reward great action? I don't care what your personality style is. Find a way to do this in the context of your personality style. Make a big deal of it. Maybe that looks like a one-on-one conversation. Maybe that looks like handing someone a $100 bill. Maybe it looks like a round of applause. Maybe it looks like a confetti cannon. But that is part of accountability And it's part of what makes work meaningful and fun is whenever we reward and recognize great action. And there's great action happening in your organization right now. We want to make sure we highlight that and celebrate it. So let's go over uh, the six qualities of healthy accountability. We said, number one, it's rhythmic. You need to have a consistent cadence of one-on-one communication in your organization so that it's not erratic, sporadic, or random. We said that it needs to be results-oriented, meaning that we're not talking about the person, we're talking about the results. And you as a leader, start with the standard, not what you don't want, but rather describe what you do want and then celebrate them whenever they get there. Number three, it needs to be real because you don't do anyone any favors when you use your cowardice as an excuse to avoid service. And so you need to tell people the truth as you see it, when you see it. And then we need it to be relational because people don't care what you know until they know that you care. 
And then we want it to be restorative because this is an incredible opportunity to get to people where they're supposed to be. And so we're just going to have really healthy conversations about how do we make the reds yellows and the yellows greens. And then finally, we want it to be rewarding because we want to be known as leaders who recognize and reward great action in our organizations. Y'all, I think that's a framework for healthy accountability. I want to remind you what we said towards the beginning is if you want to hold people accountable, start by being held accountable. And so make sure that you are someone who is committed to being held accountable. And if you are honest with yourself and you say, man, there are certain things with regard to my priorities and my responsibilities as a leader that I'm not currently being held accountable to, well, then we would love to play that role for you. And so that's why we provide Path for Growth Coaching. If you're interested in either one-on-one coaching or growth groups, you can click the link so that's in the show notes of this episode or go to pathforgrowth.com. We'd love to talk with you about what that looks like. Hey, one more thing before we go. Every Wednesday, we send out an email called Worth It Wednesday. That's because I believe most email isn't worth it. And so we want to send out one that is every single week. We send a principle worth learning, a question worth answering, and a recommendation worth taking. So many of you have signed up for this list and we're just so grateful to the way that you're reading it and then putting it into action. Y'all's stories are just wonderful. It's just so cool. Uh, hey, you know this. We're rooting for you. We want to see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.